This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. Matthew chapter 4, verse 21, look what he says. It says, and going on from thence, he saw two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother. And a ship was Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And he called them. Let's pray. Jesus, I cannot. You never said I could. You can. You always said you would. Make my tongue a ready writer's pen. Give your word a free course to travel. May it find a lodging place in the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls. For that man, woman, boy, or girl that's here today who doesn't know you as personal Savior, may today be the day that they'll come to know you. And I pray this in Christ's name for Jesus' sake. Amen. You may be seated. Several months back, I started watching a series called The Chosen. The Chosen. It's a series about the relationship with Jesus and his disciples. I highly, highly recommend it. And I started thinking about Jesus chose these 12 men. 12 men. 12 men that uh, literally there were 250 million here, but he chose those 12. From those 12 men today, we have 2.2 billion followers of Christ, but he started with those 12 men. And so I thought, what was it about those 12 men? And I started doing research and I couldn't find anybody who had ever done a series on the 12 disciples. I couldn't find the material. And so I said, these 12 men that turned the world upside down, these 12 men that when we get to heaven, their names are going to be on the walls of the city. There's got to be a reason why he chose those 12 men. And I said, Lord, if you'll help me, I want to dig into their lives. And I want us to learn from those 12 men. So we started out and we talked about Peter. We talked about Andrew and we talked about Thomas and we talked about Matthew. And today I want to talk to you for just a little while about the youngest one of all of them. He was the youngest. His name was John. He was the only one who died a natural death. All the others were martyred, but John was the only one who died a natural death. And I want us just to look, and I want us to see some things about John, <laughs> John the apostle of love. The one who wrote more about love than any other disciple. I want you to see three quick things. Number one, I want you to see John the person. John the person. See, the Bible says Jesus passed by a boat and there was a man who owned a, he owned a fishing, he owned a fishing industry. He was a fisherman. His name was Zebedee. And Zebedee had two sons, the name James and John. And they were just fishermen. If you've ever been to Israel, the Sea of Galilee is not really much of a sea. I mean, it's something to see, but it's only seven miles wide, 13 miles long, 200 feet deep at the deepest point. It's just like a lake. And here John was just a, a fisherman, just an ordinary person. But I want you to see something, folks. Jesus called him. 
This is what I believe. I believe God uses ordinary people. I believe God uses ordinary people because when he uses ordinary people, he gets the honor and glory. He gets the honor and glory. You know, Abraham Lincoln said, God must love common people because he made so many of them. You know, the Bible says common people receive Jesus gladly. Just ordinary people. Aren't we grateful, folks, that God just uses ordinary people? God just uses ordinary people. You know, the greatest evangelist of our day was a man by the name of Dr. Billy Graham. Dr. Billy Graham. Dr. Graham, I heard say on one occasion, they asked him when he gets to heaven, what's going to be the first question he asked? He said, when I get to heaven, the first question, if I get to ask God questions, he said, the very first question I'm going to ask is, God, why did you use a farm boy from the hills of North Carolina? to reach so many people. Billy Graham, when he was 30 years old, goes to Los Angeles, California. He's having a crusade out there. It's supposed to go three weeks and it ends up going eight weeks. There was a maid. She was a black maid. And from the very first night, the black maid would go to the crusade. And boy, she'd have herself a time. And she worked for a man named William Randolph Hearst. And when you hear that name, William Randolph Hearst, nobody knows who that is. But he was the media mongol. He owned better than 90% of the newspapers in America. He controlled the media. And every morning while she was fixing gravy and biscuits and scrambling eggs for William Randolph Hearst, she would say to William Randolph Hearst, Mr. Hearst, you should have been at the meeting last night. Oh, God came down and heaven filled our soul. Oh, Mr. Hirsch, you got to go tomorrow night. You got to go. You got to. You got to go. You got to go to the meeting. <laughs> you got to. You you got to get under the spout where the glory comes out. You got to go to the meeting. You know, William Randolph Hearst never did go to the meeting, but he did something. He said to all his media outlets, two words: Puff Graham. Puff Graham. That was lingo for put Billy Graham on the front page of every newspaper. Put Billy Graham, let him be the number one story on every media outlet. Let that crusade be the only story primarily that we're talking about. And when he did that, it launched the Billy Graham ministry and the Billy Graham crusade. And millions on top of millions have come to Christ. Now look here. There's no record that William Randolph Hearst ever met Billy Graham. There's no record that Billy Graham ever met him. There's no record that William Randolph Hearst ever became a Christian. But I want you to know something. God used a maid. God used a maid. I just want to remind you of something that God uses ordinary people. I just want to remind you of something that God uses ordinary people to impact people's lives in a great way. And John was just an ordinary person. He was just a fisherman, but God used him. And I just want to report to you that God can use you. I want to report to you not only can God use you, but God wants to use you because you're the only hands that God has. You're the only feet that God has. God wants to use just ordinary people in an extraordinary way if we'll surrender our lives to him. See, understand, everything you have, whatever your business is, God wants it to be about ministry.
God put you where you're at so you could impact the kingdom. Amen. Just a fisherman. But can I tell you something? Not only was he a fisherman, but he was flawed. <laughs> he was flawed. You know, in Mark 3, 17, Jesus gave him a nickname. He and James, he called them sons of thunder. <laughs> sons of thunder. Because it was loud. They were volatile. They were outspoken. John was a son of thunder. Say, so what kind of guy was John? Well, let me explain. In Mark chapter 10, verse 35 through verse 37, John said, Jesus, by the way, when you come into your glory, you know what I think would be good? Jesus said, what's that? He said, when you come into your glory, I think it would be good if James was on your one side and I was on your other side. <laughs> I mean, keep in mind, folks, this is the guy who six times writing about himself said, the disciple who Jesus loved. Six times, right? I mean, folks, he had to be the bride at every wedding or the corpse at every funeral. Amen? I mean, the disciple whom Jesus loved. I mean, eat up with pride. He said, when you come into your glory, I feel like me and my brother ought to be on, on the throne with you. Eat up with it. Let me tell you something else. In Luke chapter 9, verses 52 through verse 56, they encountered the Samaritans, and the Samaritans didn't like the Jews, and the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. You know what John said? He said, Jesus, I'll tell you what you ought to do. You ought to call down fire and zap these people. I mean, literally, he said, just, just, just call down because, listen, they don't like us and we don't like them. So, Jesus, why don't you just call down fire and just zap them? Doesn't seem like a lot of love there to me. And then, in Luke chapter 9, verses 49 and 50, he said, Jesus, we've met these people and they're casting out devils, but we forbid them from doing it. And the reason why we told them to quit doing it is because they're not a part of our 12. And he said, my goodness, John, forbid him not, for he that's not against us is for us. Oh, folks, wouldn't it be a great day when churches could realize it's not church against church and it's not this denomination against that denomination. Let me tell you something. Every denomination is man-made. The Lord is nowhere near it. The Lord is nowhere near it. And when we get to heaven, folks, there won't be a Methodist there. There won't be a Baptist there. There won't be a Pentecostal there. There won't be a Presbyterian there because it's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with us putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that he was, he was flawed. Not only did I see John the person... <laughs> But I see something else. John, the practitioner of the word. John, the practitioner of the word. And what I mean by that, John becomes an old man. And he goes to Ephesus. He goes to Ephesus and he starts writing. And from Ephesus, he's the pastor at the church at Ephesus, which today is Ephesus, Turkey, which is 99.9% .9 Muslim. 
But he goes to Ephesus and he starts writing. He writes John, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And if you'll notice, if you ever read 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, he says, my little children. My little children, read it. Why does he say, my little children? Because he's got old. I said the other day to Barbara, I said, uh, Barbara, will you love me when I'm old and gray? She said, I do. But, but, he, but, 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 he, but, he, but he got old and he started writing. He started writing the book of John. He started writing the book of 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He started writing them from Ephesus. See, folks, get this. This, this is so good. At the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, he made seven statements from the cross. Remember, he said, it is finished from the cross. Well, get this. John was there. You say, Pastor Benny, you, you, you don't know that John was there. Yes, I do. Because in John chapter 19, verse 26 and verse 27, Jesus looked down at John and said, John, take care of mama. John, take care of mama. You say, well, wait, Pastor. Jesus had four brothers and at least two sisters. Why didn't he say to some of his brothers and sisters to take care of mama? Well, first of all, if you study the Bible, the four brothers didn't believe in Jesus to after the resurrection. They didn't believe in Jesus to after the resurrection. But you know, there's a message there. God's saying to us, many times the spiritual relationship is stronger than the fleshly relationship. Many times the spiritual connection is stronger than the earthly connection. Many times a brother in Christ we're closer to than our physical brother because there's something about a spiritual relationship. Now wait. He was there when Jesus said, it is finished. That's why folks, None of the rest of the disciples were there. That's why only John could pen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. John said, I was there. I saw him die on the cross. I saw how much he loved humanity. I saw how much God loves the world. I saw Jesus die because I was there at the foot of the cross. Let me tell you something, folks. John was, John was flawed. Jesus rebuked him. Jesus rebuked John over and over. But that's why John could write 1 John 1 and 8. If we say we have no sins, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. But if we confess our sins, <laughs> he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John said, I know all about it because I've got flaws, but I've got good news. Jesus is willing to forgive me of my flaws. Jesus is willing to forgive me of my shortcomings. And I want you to know he's willing to forgive you too. So much bad in the best of us and so much good in the worst of us, it hardly behooves any of us to talk about the rest of us. Amen? 
I said to my doctor a while back, I said, Dr. Barbara's hearing's terrible. <laughs> he said, how bad is it? I said, it's bad. He said, well, let's determine how bad it is. He said, you ask her a question and move closer. I said, I'll be glad to do that. So I get home and I said, Barbara's dinner ready. Nothing, deadly silence. I moved closer and I said, Barbara's dinner ready. Nothing. Barbara, is dinner ready? She said for the third time, yes. You know what I know about every one of us? We've all got flaws. We've all got feet of clay. That's why I'm so glad it says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me tell you something. John said, I know what it was to be there on Pentecost. I was there when the Holy Spirit came like a mighty Russian wind and came into us. I was there. That's why I can write 1 John 4 and 4. <laughs> Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's why I could write it. Because I was there. You remember when John said, God, we need these Samaritans. Call down fire upon them. But after spending time with God in Acts 8 and 14, he goes and preaches to the Samaritans. And then he writes 1 John 3, 14. We know. We've passed from death into life because we love the brethren. Oh, listen, folks. We can't love Jesus and hate somebody. Then you, you, you said, Brother Benny, you're, you're rubbing the cat's fur the wrong way. Turn the cat around. Listen. We can't love Jesus and hate somebody. We can't love Jesus and hate somebody. Because when you come to know the Lord, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. No, no. Two people can't be right with God and wrong with each other. I want you to see something. John the person. John the practitioner of the word of God. But lastly, and I'm done. John the prophet. John the prophet. You remember, it was, it was John who went out on the temple mountain with Jesus in Mark. And he said, by the way, Jesus, this is just us. What's going to be the sign of your coming? When are you coming back? When's the end of the world going to be? I, I just really like to know, Jesus. I, I, I really would like to know. Now, let me tell you something. You remember I told you that Jesus said, John, I want you to take care of mama. Well, he did. He takes Mary, the mother of Jesus, and he goes to Ephesus. And he's pastoring there at Ephesus. And he's writing 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And there's a Roman emperor Name, Domitian. And Domitian builds a temple to himself. Domitian demands that he be worshipped. 
And when he did that, John addressed him in 2 John 1 and 7. Look what he said. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and the antichrist. Well, this Roman emperor, Domitian, he says, I'm going to punish John. I'm going to put him on an island. It's an island for slaves. It's a prison. I'm going to put him on the Isle of Patmos, which is 10 miles long, six miles wide. I've preached on the Isle of Patmos. It would be an Alcatraz. It's, it's, he was there as an old man being punished. It seemed like, ladies and gentlemen, the most difficult part of John's life. But let me say something. What may seem like the most difficult part of your life, God can use to be the most fruitful part of your life. What seems like the hardest time in your life, God can do his best work in your life if you will allow him to. What, when it seems like, folks, that you're all alone, I want you to know something. You're not all alone. John was there. You said, Pastor Benny, how did John feel? He was there on the Isle of Patmos. And by the way, folks, when he gets there, they do everything to kill him. They put him in a pot of oil and boil him. They said that will take care of him. But he comes out of the pot and they just couldn't cook him. They gave him poison to drink and he drank it, but he didn't die. Here's all I want you to see, folks. You're immutable until God's ready for you. You're immutable until God's ready for you. Listen, God, if, if, listen, if God's not ready for you, COVID's not going to take you, by the way. You're immutable until God is ready for you. And friend, if God is ready for you, there's not anything you can do to keep yourself here. Goodness, let, let me just make this statement. God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. God has not given you that spirit. That spirit is coming from somewhere else. God help us. He's going to take care of us. We can trust him. He's going to see us through. John said, I'm on the Isle of Patmos. Look what Revelation 1 and 9 says. I've got to hurry. He said, I was there. I was on the Isle of Patmos. Wait for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Here's what I've learned. Many times we shine the brightest when we're going through the most difficult time. Many times, see folks, it takes a test to have a testimony. It takes a test to have a testimony. And we want to make sure after the test, we've got a testimony and not just the monies, amen? A testimony. John said, wait, I was on the Isle of Patmos. He said, one day I was just there working in the rock quarry. And I thought about it, even as I was on the Isle of Patmos, 
I, I, there was only one cave there and I thought this this cave that I'm at this had to be the habitation of John this had to be where he lived but as I was working there at that cave something happened look what the Bible says I was in the spirit on the Lord's day hey how should church be I was in the spirit how should church be? I was in the spirit. Somebody said, oh, it's just, just dead, lifeless. That's not how God wants it to be. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I was in the spirit. I sensed the presence of God on the Lord's day. It was about worshiping God. It was about exalting God. It was about praising God. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a great voice, the voice of a trumpet. Now get this, folks, look. Look, I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, John, write this down in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. Send it to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Write it down, John. Write it down. Look, I'm here. Write it down, John. And I turned to see the voice that spake unto me. And I turned and saw seven golden candlesticks. And the mist, and in the midst of seven golden candlesticks, one likened to the Son of God, Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot, and girt with a paps with a golden girdle. And his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet likened to fine brass as they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He said, John, write it down. John, you write down Revelation chapter four, verse one. You write down that I'm gonna come back and rapture the church out. John, you write it down. You write down Revelation 4.1. You write down that I'm going to come back and I'm going to rapture my church out. You write down that I'm not coming back to get Methodist or Baptist or Pentecostal. I'm coming back to get those that know me as their personal Savior. You write it down. John, you write down. You write down that there's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. You write down that when I come back, when I come back, I'm going to reward people. I'm going to give reward people. I'm going to give five different crowns. And you write down that they're going to bring these crowns and they're going to lay them at my feet. And they're going to say, Thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You write it down, John. You write it down. John, not only do you write that down, but you write down Revelation chapter 6. You write down after the church is gone that the Antichrist is going to come on the scene. You write down that it's going to be hell on earth for seven years. You write down that man will work all day for a quart of wheat. You write down that people will beg to die and death won't come. You write down that people will turn their faucet on and out from that faucet will blow, will come water. I mean, will come blood. You write down how horrible it's going to be. You write it down because I don't want those people to be here. You write it down, John. 
Be sure that you do. John, you write down at the end of those seven years, I'm coming back. You write down that I'm coming back, that heaven's going to open. And behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doeth judge and make war. His eyes are going to be as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he has a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with vesture dipped in blood. And his name's called the Word of God. And the armies, that's us folks, which were in heaven, we're going to follow him on white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations, and he'll rule them with a rod of iron, and the tread and the tread of the, the winepress of the fierceness of Almighty God. You write down that when I come back, there'll be a great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. And the only people that will be there will be those who don't know me. Even those that are in hell will be brought out of hell and cast into the lake of fire. You write it down, John. John, you write down also in Revelation chapter 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first earth. The first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And John said, let me tell you folks what I saw. <laughs> let me tell you what I saw. Folks, let me tell you what I saw. I was on the Isle of Patmos, but I saw that holy city. <laughs> I saw it. I saw it's going to come down. That new Jerusalem is going to come down from God out of heaven. It's going to be right here on earth, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard the great voice out of heaven. Behold, the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God is with men. And he'll dwell with them. And they shall be his people. Goodness gracious. And God himself shall be with them. And I'll be their God. And he said, John, you write down. And I'll wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For all that's going to be passed away. You write it down, John. John said, Lord. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen what's going to happen, Lord. I'm writing it down. He said, John, in Revelation 22, you be sure and write it down because I'm coming quickly. You be sure. John said, Lord, <laughs> in light of what I've seen, even so come. <laughs> in light of what I've seen, even so come. John was just a person. He was flawed. 
He was a practitioner of the Word of God. I wonder this, folks. I just This thought hit my mind. I wonder if John, when he was writing all this down, thought about, I remember that day we walked out on the Temple Mount. And I said, what's going to be the sign of your coming? I knew you was going to tell me some stuff, Lord, but I didn't know you was going to tell me this much. I didn't know you was going to tell me this much. All I'm trying to say, folks, why have we gathered today? We've gathered today to make sure men, women, boys, and girls are right with God. Because it's going to happen just like John wrote it down. I, I want to take some time. I want to preach through the book of Revelation one of these days. And I want us to look at everything that's going to happen. It'll take me five years to do it, but I'm going to do it. But it's going to happen just like John saw. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Rock Springs Church. If you would like more information about Rock Springs, be sure to follow us on social media or connect with us at rockspringsonline.com. Join us right here next week for another message from Rock Springs Church.